Blog Talk Radio. Footprints Blog Talk Radio. This is your host, Bernice Alexander Bennett, and a special welcome to the callers and chatters to the show tonight. This show will provide individuals interested in genealogy and history an opportunity to listen, learn, and take action. Well, tonight's show will explore the DNA company marketing to the African-American consumer. Well, last month, the genealogy company Ancestry aired a controversial ad titled Inseparable, depicting a white man in the Civil War South urging an enslaved black woman named Abigail to escape north with him. Well, I want to just share with you all that we have a panelist, a group of individuals that have really paid attention to this ad, as well as many others. And they are Luke Alexander, Lisa Fanning, Tyrone Goodwin, and Andre Kearns. And they will discuss what went wrong with the ad and share their perspectives on the challenges and opportunities DNA test companies face marketing to African Americans. Now, Andra, excuse me, Andre Kearns is a genealogist. He's a public speaker. He's a commentator and writer. And Andre was on this show about a year ago, and you all had an opportunity to hear his wonderful uh, discussion. Lisa Ann Fanning is a genealogist, family historian, diversity and inclusion strategist, and an award-winning artist. Congratulations, Lisa. And she also specializes in genetic genealogy and using DNA to help adoptees locate their birth families. Luke Alexander is a genealogist and community historian with a focus on free people of color, indigenous heritage, and the Carolinas. And as president of the Benjamin and Edith Spalding Descendants Foundation, Incorporated, he is engaged in philanthropic activities in his free people of color ancestral hometown, Farmers Union, North Carolina. 
Tyrone Goodwin is a genealogist and sign language interpreter and an IT director by day. And you can read more about each of these outstanding panelists as we begin our discussion. So let's just start off with Andre. So Andre, I mean, you know, I know you and others listened to that ad. We looked at it over and over again. But tell me, how did the four of you come together to decide, hey, maybe we should have a panel to discuss just what went wrong with this ad and some of the challenges and opportunities the the DNA companies will face with marketing to the African-American community? Absolutely. I'd be uh, glad to uh, to share a little bit more on that. And I'll, But I want to kick off by just saying, Bernice, thank you for this opportunity um, to, to share our thoughts uh, as a panel. And it's always a pleasure to be on your broadcast. And it's a pleasure <clears throat> to have you and to have all of you on tonight. Yeah, this is, this is fun. So I, I'll start out by just saying this. Every good genealogist needs a set of good genealogist friends, okay? Um, and so I count myself very lucky to have you, Bernice, to have Luke, to have Lisa and Tyrone as friends uh, with whom I share this passion uh, for genealogy, share this passion uh, for uncovering family stories and family history. Um, so I, I think I met Luke first, uh, and he's a DNA match to my family. And so I reached out to him, and we started sharing our uh, family research with each other. And then uh, Duke, uh, Luke uh, um, introduced me to Tyrone, uh, to whom he has family connections. And then my wife is actually a DNA match to Lisa's family. And then that's how she and I started corresponding. And then we all finally met up in person in 2017 at a Smithsonian uh, museum event. And so we now regularly correspond, mostly on Facebook, um, but we also uh, connect in person when we're able. Um, but So that's how we connected. But then I wanted to share a little bit about why I value uh, these friendships so much. And one is th these folks get me, right? So we share the same passion, which is genealogy and so we all get each other and we all get excited and motivated about the same things in terms of um, advancing our research and helping each other to advance our research so that is a that's a wonderful thing to share and a, it's a way that we all connect um, another thing is that genealogical research is very hard um, we enjoy it it's very enriching but it's also difficult uh, you know, you have to bring a critical mind to research. Um, and and African-American genealogists in particular um, encounter inconsistencies. In the hey, Bernice, I, I've been uh, informed that um, there's no sound for the people trying to listen yes, I'm, to the... I'm getting the same. I'm getting the same message. Uh, I'm going to put some music on for a minute and... See okay. what's happening with at the health center. So just we're going to put some music on. Obviously, I'm hearing you, so you are being recorded. So let me see what's okay. going on.
Okay, uh, I'm still getting uh, a message that people cannot hear us, but I know it's being recorded. So this may be one of those shows, unfortunately, where we will record and it will end up being um, on another, it'll just be at a podcast. But let me just keep talking until hopefully it'll come on. So you were saying that how you all met and the connection with each of you. So let's just continue talking, and uh, we'll just have this recording as a a podcast. Okay. Yeah, so what I was saying was uh, I was sharing a little bit about why I value the the friendships that I have with my genealogist friends. One is that they get me because we all share the same passion uh, for uh, genealogy and, and family history research and uncovering family stories. Um, another is that genealogical, uh, genealogical research is very hard. I mean, it's, it's, it's enriching, it's filling, but it's difficult, and particularly for African-American uh, genealogists. And I know every genealogist faces their own particular challenges in, with respect to advancing their family research. But for African-American research in particular, you know, we encounter uh, brick walls created by uh, slavery, lack of documentation inconsistencies in documentation all the time. Uh, and, and we're looking for those little clues and patterns that will help us to unlock that family history. And so um, having clear eyes and critical minds other than your own uh, to, to bounce ideas off of, uh, it just, I, I find it helps me immensely in terms of my research and we're able to help each other. Um, Another uh, reason I value our friendship is that the, the world of genealogy and DNA testing in general is really exploding. I mean, I think we're really only at the ground level of, of what it can grow into. Uh, and so it's exciting to follow all of the developments with these DNA test companies and all the new features and technologies uh, and advancements that they're unveiling and how that then applies and how you're able to use it uh, and, and, and debates over privacy and and all these different rich discussions that you have as this, as this industry goes. And so we enjoy, um, you know, uh, chopping it up and, and, and discussing the topics of the day as it relates to, yeah, the genealogy and DNA testing every day. And so that really leads to our discussion about this ancestry ad and, and, and the controversy around it. So I think maybe Lisa had shared out a link about the ad about a month ago to all of us on Facebook and our group chat. And so we started discussing the ad. Uh, and I think there was a consensus that we were all disappointed with Ancestry and, um, and, and d- disappointed by the ad. And, and, you know, we all kind of shared our particular reasons why we were disappointed with the ad. And so um, maybe that was a Thursday or Friday. And then I decided that Saturday uh, that I wanted to write a letter to Ancestry CEO with whom I've I've already established a a previous correspondence with her. Um, But I wanted to write a letter really uh, in a professional way communicating my disappointment as a, you know, as an advanced user of Ancestry, as a loyal customer, who has endorsed the company's services to many, many African American friends and family members, I just wanted to 
you know, share my disappointment and, and share why I thought it was a teachable moment and share my perspective on, um, you know, what, how ancestry could, could make it right and do better moving forward. Uh, and so I did that. I took the time to write the letter. Um, I of course shared it with, uh, Lisa, uh, Luke and Tyrone before I, before I emailed it out to the CEO. Um, and then I shared, and they said, it looks good to go represents the discussion we had and I shared it and I never heard back from me. I never heard back from the CEO. I never heard back from the company. Um, so at a certain point I felt like, okay, well, at least I've done my part to share the concerns I have as a customer with the ad. Um, but then it, it, I still was trying to figure out how I could make a difference here. And so I decided to turn my letter to the CEO into a blog. Uh, and so I, I ended up publishing a blog around the, the, the ad controversy and, and kind of outlining the issues. Uh, and, and that's a blog, Bernice, that you saw. Uh, yeah. And then in response to you seeing that blog, that teed up this uh, blog talk radio um, opportunity for us to kind of discuss it. Uh, and then also some other uh, media opportunities that I fielded from that. So, um, you know, just looking for productive ways to, to, to get a productive conversation going about this. Uh, and so we appreciate um, that opportunity. Well, first no, of all, yes, so I, I, I did read your, your blog, and I, I was very impressed with what you put in your blog and, and just felt that it was something that all of us needed to, to look at. And you were very thoughtful in how you uh, gave them ideas and suggestions. But I want to start off with, well, what went wrong with the ad? Lisa, tell us, what, what was wrong with the ad? So I'm going to start with a little on the backstory of the ad. Um, Ancestry has been on a mission uh, for a couple of years now um, to get the average con consumer to not only celebrate their ancestry, but to also use the company's online historical records to find out how their past can inspire their future. So the mission is one of the driving forces behind the inseparable ad, which is actually one of three ads um, in a series to inspire their Canadian consumers. Um, the other two ads center around Canadians whose Irish ancestors escaped the famine and others who were part of the uh, recruitment for World War II. So Ancestry works with um, two different creative agencies from 2017 to 2019 to develop ads for their bigger campaign. So um, Droga 5 New York created the 2017 ad. Um, that was their debut ad for this new campaign, um, which you all may remember that featured um, diverse descendants of the signers of the Declaration of Independence. Yes. And then um, Anomaly um, is a Canadian agency who actually created the series, which included the inseparable ad. So from my perspective, um, there were many things that went wrong with the ad. I'm, I'm going to focus on two issues and then let the other panelists offer their thoughts as well. So one glaring problem to me happened at the outset. Um, Ancestry hired agencies whose staff do not adequately reflect the diversity of the new um, customers they hope to attract in North America. This is, you know, problematic because, you know, how can an agency develop stories to inspire people they really don't know? 
because um, I, you know, I think many corporations, um, you know, attribute their marketing success to developing teams that are diverse in culture, background, thought, and experiences. Experiences. So, you know, I think Ancestry should really have creators from diverse communities um, across their global offices um, to be part of crafting these uh, stories early in the process and checking them before their debut to the public. And then the second um, problem with the ad for me was, you know, slavery and the impact it continues to have on people of African descent in the Americas is way too complex for a 30-second ad um, with the generic cliffhanger ending, like the one used in um, the inseparable ad, which was only you can keep the story going. The cliffhanger style ad left people confused, searching for context, and eventually angry. Um, you know, questions that came up on social media um, that were posed by customers about what the story was really about um, went unanswered. Um, so to me, the message failed. Um, Ancestry, you know, apologized, as we all know, but um, did not provide any explanation for the story. So, you, so then you kind of have to ask yourself, you know, what, what are their real marketing goals? Um, because, in, you know, their strategy, because if, if, if the message fails, then they really haven't accomplished, um, you know, getting the message that they really want across. Um, so I think Ancestry, you know, should not shy away from the kind of family stories that can be uncovered in um, – their records during, you know, this tragic 400 years of American history. Uh, but they should perhaps stick to the short inspirational film format um, used to create the film Railroad Ties. Um, I thought that was a great film. Um, it really helped to, you know, people of African and European descent collectively learn about themselves, their families, and the ties that bind Another short story um, I really liked that achieved the same level of inspiration was the one called Walking with My Enslaved Ancestors. And that was actually, you know, a little over three minutes long, and it featured the story of an African-American ancestry employee um, named Jason Atwater. So those are two um, examples of what I think went wrong and, and you know, possible solutions to, to those uh, problems. Yeah, this is Tyrone, so I have to confess that I actually like to add at first. Um, I'm the contrarian of the group. That's my job. <laughs> okay. So, I think, you know, as genealogists, we're always looking for that unique story that, that, you know, so that's why we do it, right? We could pick up a history book and read generic history. We could read roots and understand, you know, Africans in, in the United States. But those of us who are doing research, we're looking for that, those unique stories that are pertinent to our families. And so when I first saw the ad, I'm always, you know, I thought, oh, wow, what a wonderful, unique story. Because, you know, that's not impossible. Mm -hmm. It's implausible, mm -hmm. but it's not impossible. In a historical. Right. But it's not, yes. Exactly. So I looked at it and thought, oh, that's great, right? Oh, what, a, what a wonderful story. Until my friends here pointed out. That's not true. <laughs> right. <laughs> and then I was right on board with them because yeah. you, you don't, particularly for folks who are doing new research and for folks who, who don't have hours on end to spend on this, you don't want to present a story that's implausible yeah. and have them believe that that's the way life was. 
So I started out really liking the ad, yeah. and then that's the, to, to, to Andre's point, that's the purpose of friends, genealogy friends. Y'all slapped me around and said, well, look at that again. And I was like, oh, yeah, that's right. No, that, that could be misleading to thousands of people. Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, it, uh, if the ad was true to life and it was an actual story, then I think it would have more credibility, right? But, uh, but it, was, it was fictional. Um, if, it was, if it was true, then it should have been made clear to viewers. It, it was kind of unclear whether it was true or not. Uh, and then now that we've read through some articles and analysis, I think it's pretty clear that it was fictional because there have been people who have gone out and searched for the marriage record and searched for these people, and these people don't exist. Um, so, so, yeah, the fact that it was fictional, I had an issue with that. Um, as a, and, and mainly I have an issue with that because as a ad of historical fiction, it is ahistorical. It's not representative of the reality of the majority mm-hmm. of enslaved women in America. So it, that's not saying it's not possible. It's just saying it doesn't represent the majority of their experiences. You know, most of them were not living in a love story. They were living a very difficult situation, um, and they were facing a lot of uh, the risk of sexual assault. So, um, so, so there's that. And then the other piece is that only the white male character actually says anything in the ad. Only the white male character vocalizes, right? And so even though the ad is about the, the, the woman Abigail, she's kind of portrayed as passive and mute. And so, and I don't even know whether Ancestry realized this or not, but, you know, that kind of unintentionally makes her the supporting actress in right. her own story. Right. right. And so it's these things I feel like uh, where if there was a more diverse perspective in the room when um, these concepts are developed or if someone's about to run with an ad, that there would absolutely be someone saying, this is not a good idea. We need to go in a different direction. Right. So you yeah. have some feedback coming to you from the chat room. Uh, one of the okay. questions was, you know, were the people portrayed in the ad real? Uh, that was one of the big concerns. Were they real? I mean, did this really no. happen? and they weren't. And then yeah, the other piece, the other piece to to kind of – Parrot, what you just said, the woman had no voice. And there was the assumption that this woman of color was enslaved, which was suggested, but you don't really know. And so another piece of feedback is at first, just as Luke said, he kind of liked the ad too. So Family Tree Girl is saying, well, at first I thought the ad was good too. Uh, they did so good on the previous one with taking the group on the Underground Railroad that she really thought it was, you know, true. But then right. the the next piece of feedback you have is the fact that the couple did not exist. It was truly a gimmick. Mm-hmm. And yeah. so, yeah. you know, <laughs> one more piece, <laughs> just one more piece of feedback. The ad would have been more powerful if the people in the story was true. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah, and but, if you think yeah, about it, I, oh, I just want to chime in. Yeah, I want to chime in, Bernice. Uh, uh, this is Luke. Just, just to clarify, that was my cousin Tyrone who initially uh, 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 found something uh, 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 to latch onto in the ad. 
my first reaction with the ad was I found it utterly absurd. Uh, okay. And I kind of I kind of was a down on it as soon as I became aware of it because the the whole scenario to me, the, as as Andre has explained, the optics are terrible with the ad, and and African Americans have a particular history in this country. Uh, and uh, uh, that ad does not represent the vast majority of what what people's uh, uh, heritage may reflect. Uh, you know, if it were true, then at least you could say, well, there there's that one story, and at least that particular story is true, and you could kind of go from there. But then to find out on top of everything that it was a false story, because you know the, the sad fact is that during the during the enslavement period and and during the Jim Crow period, actually actually as well, the kind of story pre- depicted where you have a, a white male who has a relationship with a, with a, with a female of color, uh, and then the ad is portrayed that they, he, he is uh, uh, off, you know, proposing to her that they flee, quote, north across the border, you know, uh, presuming, pres- uh, presumptively that they're going to Canada where they can, uh, you know, marry as, as, you know, or, or have some sort of legitimized relationship Um you know, the fact of the matter is, because of the dynamics of the politics of this country, white males have always, from the beginning of this country, and, and, and uh, its inception even as a, as a colony, if they, want to set up, if they want to set up a relationship with a woman of color, they've been able to do so in broad daylight anywhere in this country, and in particular in the Deep South. So to me, the whole concept was just, you know, just something I couldn't understand. And, and many of us either know factually or at least have, have caught anecdotally that, you know, that we descend from, you know, those kinds of, uh, you know, we may well descend from those kinds of relationships. I mean, you know, the numbers of African Americans that have, uh, uh, who had enslaved ancestors and also have European DNA, uh, you know, is, is significant. And when you get into the, you know, and, and, you know and, and as researchers, we know that, but, you know, just in general, you know, I've known people who weren't necessarily researchers, but they, when they explain to me where their family reunion, you know, say they have a family reunion, and they explain where their family reunion originates from, they explain to me stories about, well, my ancestor was the son of the slave master, and then we, and you know, and that and that mixed race child is who we descend from, et cetera, et cetera. You know, and those stories abound. So for for ancestry to to put that out there in a way that was sort of disingenuous to the history of of of, of African Americans is just 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 did not sit well with me at all. And I think, you know, that the, the public outcry, the social media outcry, you know, just drilled down on that, you know, in the aftermath of, of that ad. Right. And, and you Steve still Bernice, have a lot of responses coming through the chat room. Yeah. I'm sorry, I didn't hear you. I said, see, this is the type of discussion we have every day on Facebook. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're just doing it on Blog Talk Radio. You know, that's, right, that, that's, that's right. what that's what it's all about. But well, how would you assess ancestors' response to the controversy, Luke? Yeah, I mean, they're, uh, I would assess their 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 response as, as poor. I mean, it, it 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 looks as if they went to sort of corporate textbook one oh one oh one in terms of just let's put out a quick response, apologize for it, and attempt to move on. I mean, they offered up a statement to. Uh, uh, media outlets, in particular CBS and BuzzFeed, who I guess did the initial reporting on the story. They're, this is this is their statement they put out. Quote, Ancestry is committed to telling important stories from history. This ad was intended to represent one of those stories. We very much appreciate the feedback we have received and apologize 
for any offense the ad may have caused. And that's the only statement they've made. And they have steadfastly refused to respond to any any additional queries. Uh, 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 Andre's, uh, uh, you know, uh, concerns were not addressed. Other media outlets have, you know, they have not addressed their, you know, their uh, concerns. Uh, and, uh, you know, I just, you know, it, it, it's, it's one of those things where, you know, it, it left me seriously contemplating, you know, do I go ahead and drop my membership now <laughs> or or what? Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, and, it, uh, and that uh, is it's really difficult for us because we we get so much out of the service in terms of the story, the true stories of resilience and agency exhibited over uh, difficult circumstances and slavery that inspire us in our lives, that we get fuel off of, that we enjoy sharing with each other, yeah. real stories, um, those are made possible through uh, companies like Ancestry who have these massive online records and make it easy to search them. And so it, it kind of is uh, surreal and baffling that you have customers like us discovering these real stories every day, and there's a disconnect with you know, uh, fictional stories that the the company chooses to showcase in their advertisements. It doesn't need to be that way. Right. I, I need a different response from, from Ancestry. This is Tyrone again. Um, you know, I needed to hear them say that they plan to diversify their editorial staff so they have different kinds of eyes, and not just African eyes either. I mean Native, I mean Hispanic, I mean gay, I mean all kinds of eyes. You know, I think there's plenty of companies out there that are doing this right, because they understand that they're marketing to people from different cultures. But I think the genealogy companies, not just Ancestry, they've got it coming at both ends. They're marketing to people of different cultures, and their product is culture itself. Yeah. You know, so more than anybody else, they need to understand diversity because they're selling culture. They're selling people culture, and they're selling to people of different cultures. So you're selling, you know, and so for them to be, to be radio silent on this is very disappointing. I feel like yes. in, this, uh, in the social media era that uh, a PR agency may, in a crisis like this, advise a company that – and listen, I don't know because I never received a response, and so I'm only speculating. But uh, a lot of times a company may get, um, be advised to um, – you know, that it's going to be very difficult when, when the, uh, the controversy – first arises, there'll be a Twitter storm, there'll be a, a social media storm on it, and you just got to kind of ride it out. And then pretty immediately after you ride it out, people will move on to the next thing, mm-hmm. and you can continue to operate the way you've always operated. Right, right. I kind of feel like it, looking at it from the outside, not ever having received a response from the company, it feels like that's kind of how they chose to address the situation as, as Luke and, and, and Tyrone and Lisa have, have, have said, right? It's kind of like we, we pulled a statement together uh, and we'll share that and we'll kind of ride out the controversy and then we'll just continue to operate the, the, the way that we have before. Because right. I haven't read any updates right. on how they're going to do business differently. Exactly. They're saying, like, we are who we are, we're sorry, and we're going back to who we are. Right. <laughs> but that's not right. what we need. Yes. And I think success. And I guess when you look at it, they have 15 15 million DNA subscribers. And certainly I would think they would want to increase 
the number of African American subscribers. Right. Uh, by doing that, though, by doing that, I mean you you already walking in with suspicious individuals saying, "I don't know if I want to give my DNA," and so you want a company that is very sensitive. To what right. DNA means to your African American mm-hmm, yeah. subscriber, right? And I and I also think this is Lisa. I also think that I mean the, the response was so strong to what what uh, to that ad that when they said you know we appreciate the feedback that there would be some indication that and we're gonna you know step back and and consider what happened and think about you know, how we can change things going forward and then come back to say, here's, you know, what we learned and here's what we plan to do going forward as it relates to these types of, of and, you know, advertisements, especially my point about, you know, how when you're telling a story like that, I don't really think a 30-second, I don't think you can really tell a story that, that we all kind of see as, has some pain attached to it in 30 seconds. So There's not really a lot. It's, it's like boiling down so many years of, of history into 30 seconds. You just can't do that. But that's why I think those other types of, um, you know, short films, you know, three minutes, you know, 30 or not, not, one was three minutes, one was, I think, 23. I think the railroad ties was 23. That was so much more effective to me in how, you know, people can learn about, uncover the story over time. You can see people visit. In, in the case of the, um, what was it called, the uh, walking with my enslaved ancestors, I mean, that, that particular person went to the plantation with his mother and sister, and they walked the, in the house where their ancestor was a chef and or a cook for the family, and they, they learned a lot about him through the records that they found and then actually going to the place. Like, I found that to be powerful, as well as um, the other ad where you brought together, you know, um, African-Americans and European-Americans who had, whose ancestors had been really involved in the Underground Railroad, and neither one, not, none of those people knew each other. And they all learned together about their ancestors and, and who helped who and who was involved. In. And it was really emotional. I, I really loved it. And I think that's a better way to deal with that part of our history, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. um, and to encourage people to use, um, to use their uh, records to uncover the stories mm-hmm. that are there. Well, that is wonderful. That This gives us a chance now. We're going to talk later about the challenges and opportunities, but we're going to take a quick break, okay, everyone, and come right back.
welcome back to Ancestors Footprints. This is your host, Bernice Alexander Bennett, and you can join me every Thursday at 9 p.m. Eastern Time, where I will have an expert to share resources, stories, and answer your burning genealogy and history questions. Remember, all of my guests share a deep passion and knowledge of genealogy and history. All of my shows are available as a podcast immediately after the broadcast, and they can be downloaded from Blog Talk Radio, Stitcher.com, and iTunes. Well, you have been listening to a panel discussion with Andre Kearns, Lisa Fanning, Tyrone Goodwin, and Luke Alexander. And we're going to now talk about, you know, what are the challenges and opportunities DNA test companies like Ancestry face marketing to African Americans. Andre, you want to take this on? Yeah, absolutely. Um, So first let me talk about the opportunity because it's massive uh, and it's, it's exciting. There are... I would estimate 50 million African-Americans in the U.S. Uh, and many, uh, many, many African-Americans are interested in learning more about their ancestry, their connection to their African roots. Um, the majority of African-Americans, like, like myself, um, descend from ancestors who were enslaved. And, right, and so because of that, that makes our ability to trace our ancestry beyond slavery or even trace back to uh, Africa, extremely difficult, if not impossible, um, because there's just scarcity due to uh, scarcity of records due to, due to slavery. Um, but the exciting thing is that um, advances in DNA testing offer this amazing opportunity to break down those barriers, break down those research brick walls uh, created by the lack of documentation um, from slavery in order to better connect with our roots Um, by really uh, tapping into the documentation in our own DNA and analyzing that. There's a record in our DNA that we can tap into, and and it allows us to unlock stories about our family. And so I honestly believe that many, many African-Americans are very interested in learning more about that. And so this is a big market opportunity for DNA test companies and genealogy companies. So I think that's the opportunity. Um, Now onto the challenges. And, Bernice, you touched on it right before the break. Uh, You alluded to how there are 15 million people who have DNA tested with ancestry uh, and, and how some will you know, some that you may approach about DNA testing are skeptical about it, right? Like, I don't know if I want to test. And there are many reasons in the African-American community uh, why that may be the case. Um, you know, for me, one is it's just credibility of the companies doing the testing, right? So, again, with this latest ad controversy, um, I feel like Ancestry puts African-American participation in D- DNA testing and genealogy um, at risk, right? Because uh, someone's looking at it saying, I don't trust this company because they didn't tell an accurate story. Um, so that's, that's an unforced error. It's a challenge that they're creating for themselves 
in terms of um, tapping into this opportunity. Another is just skepticism in DNA testing due to the history of this country. Um, you know, America has, a, has an ugly legacy of scientific exploitation of African Americans. Uh, uh, you have eugenics. You have uh, uh, the Tuskegee experiment. Uh, most recently, you have a case of Henrietta Lacks and, the, and, and that wonderful book that kind of uncovered that story. Right. So these are real things that happen uh, that have created a skepticism, uh, possibly in the African-American community about, I don't know about this DNA testing right. thing. Right. Um, another is America's uh, ugly history of unequal or discriminatory uh, law enforcement uh, towards African-Americans. And so I could see how recent news stories um, that are now detailing how police are starting to use DNA test results and DNA test services to start to track down suspects and solve cold cases and all these things. That might raise suspicions with some people, uh, you know, particularly within the African-American community, given this history, that that information could be used in an unequal, discriminatory way, right? And so all these things combined can create uh, – potential hesitancy um, of a marketplace of, of possible customers to, to move forward with services like this. Um, but with all that said, Bernice, I think based on my experiences with my friends, family, people who follow my blog, I do believe that African-Americans are really enthusiastically, for the most part, embracing DNA testing. Um, I think uh, – DNA testing has entered the mainstream for African-Americans driven by things like TV shows like Who Do You Think You Are? Uh, and then Dr. Henry Louis Gates' uh, show Finding Your Roots. Um, also, if you go to YouTube and you just search DNA test reveal, you will find hundreds and hundreds of videos from African-descended people um, sharing their results in real time and kind of you know, their experiences and feelings associated with their results. So I, I hope the industry continues to grow and that um, African-American customers find a way to, you know, to, to want to test, but then also that collectively that means that we're able to more effectively hold companies like Ancestry accountable um, uh, uh, when things like this ad controversy uh, kind of occur. Uh, and then really challenge them to do better and challenge them to uh, service us as customers uh, in a better way. Right. And, and what you're saying, though, is that we're, we want truth, truth in advertising. Yes. We don't want you to give a false story, but be truthful mm -hmm. and understand the sensitivity of your market and how you're going to put that message across in such a way that that market will say, oh, this is a company that I trust, and this is a company that I'm willing to do my DNA testing with. Right. Yeah. You know, I was thinking when Andre was talking, um, there was something I read online today. I, it was a Tennessee or Arkansas, but there was a brother that was stopped by the police, and he, and he, went on, he started live streaming it on Facebook. And he kept his hands visible. The, the, the police kept saying, um, put your hands down and do something with your hands. But he kept screaming. He kept saying, no, I'm going to keep my hands right where they are because you're going to shoot me. Right. You know, so I'm not going to move my hands, <laughs> and I'm going to stream this because you're, you want me to 
they want to do something. But the point is that, you know, uh, the black community feels like it's under a tremendous amount of pressure. I- I'm hazarding mm-hmm. to guess that possibly the Hispanic community might as well. And ancestors really need to be in tune with that. You know, so, you, you know, if, 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 you know, you're stopped by the police and you had a live stream to stay alive, and you're saying, give me your DNA, and I'm not going to be very responsive to your needs, that's, that's a stretch. Yeah, I would agree. I mean, I, mean, uh, I, I share heritage with the Native American community, and it's, and it's the same thing there. Due, due to the past use of science, mm-hmm. you know, uh, you know uh, uh, against really, you know, uh, uh, the Native American community and trying to, you know, uh, pigeonhole the community in much the same way they have done with the African American community and other communities of color in this country. That history, that just weighs heavily on how people respond. Uh, and you know, and whether they you know whether they're willing to test or not test, um, uh, you know, and 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 it, a lot of it is going to get back to kind of like if if anybody from ancestry uh, DNA is listening, uh, the main message you, that needs to be driven home with you guys is diversity, diversity, diversity. You need yes. voices from all across America to to so you can handle these pitfalls because you know. Th- Everything you do, you know, there's going to be a reaction to it, you know, you know, and some reaction is just going to be simply we're not going to we're not going to deal with Ancestry.com, you know, we're either going to go to the competition or we're going to not deal with DNA tests at all, um, uh, right. you know. So you need, you know, so all of that need you, know, you need to be mindful, you know, and in particular with, you know, their core, the core audience, when the core uh, uh, users of Ancestry that kind of got the ball rolling are still the ones like like uh, myself and. Lisa and Andre and Tyrone, we were there before there were DNA tests. We were there because Ancestry has done a, a great job at assembling the paperwork. You know, you can go find that historical paper trail, you know, and, they, you know, and they've done a great job at adding records to the point, you know, um, you know, some states are better than others, but in general they've done a great job in adding those records. Yes, records, they have. Bills, you know, all kinds of records that, 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 that – you know, have made you know you know have 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 been lifesavers to to those of us who are trying to build family and and build histories around the communities we come from. You know, so as I believe Andre said before, it's just a shame when we see sort of these unforced errors. When you have a great product that people you know find useful, and then you just you know muddy the waters when you don't have to. When the resources are, there are people you, you can talk to to craft advertising that's effective and not offensive. So. Right, right. And, we know, we have another comment coming in because while, you know, you you, uh, praise Ancestry for the documentation, Family Search has also been out there with uh, perhaps even more documentation that individuals can can use to help them really put everything in place to understand how to connect (coughs) the dots to their family members. And DNA is an excellent tool that really can add to our toolkit. So let's go on to talk about, you know, what's an inspirational family story you've uncovered which would make a better ad, Andre? Actually, you know what? I want Tyrone to share a story, if you don't mind. Okay. Sure, sure I can do that. Go ahead on, I'll, Tyrone. I'll, I'll segue right off. I'll segue right <laughs> off the <of> loop. <laughs> um, so... so you know, uh, uh, earlier this year, my older brother just casually mentioned to me, he said, you know, 
Grandma always told Grandma told me that I that her grandfather fought in the Civil War. So after yelling at him for keeping that for 30 years and not thinking to tell me, um, I went straight to work. And like Luke just said, I went straight to work on Ancestry.com because they have a great amount of records, right? Mm-hmm. And in a very short amount of time, I uncovered this story. And it's one of those unique stories that I was talking about that I wish this ad had been. You know, come to find out, my Dinwiddie, Virginia great-great-grandfather actually did uh, was in the Civil War. So my head spent, right? And then as I looked, he was actually on the Confederate side, and this is a person of color. So my head spinned again. And I look at the record. He w- was in the war because his enslaver took him into battle mm. as a body servant. My head spins again. Mm. <laughs> and this record is available to me because in 1925, his white neighbor vouched for him to get a Confederate pension because he was 85 years old and destitute. My head spins again. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, so that's the kind of layering genealogy story that we that we look for as genealogists. That, right. That's not a generic story. That's a very no. specific story. Mm-hmm. Is it the story I would have wished for for my ancestors? No, because I wouldn't have wished for him to have been a slave. Right. So I would have cut that off at the, at the head. Yeah. Right. Right. But, but, you know, look at how many times my head spins in that story. Yeah. You know, I couldn't just stay here or stay there. I had to keep processing all this information. That's the kind of ad. You know, I mean, maybe the title of that ad is, is, is something like, you know, your ancestors, you don't know where you'll find them. Right. Right. But, that, but, and, but you've got to tag it to, to the fact that it's true. Right. So, and and my, my family isn't unique. I just happen to know that story. Right. And, and I think we all have stories to share, and we will. But, you know, that's the thing, ancestry. We have beautiful stories. Find them. Tell them. Don't make them up. That's right. And, you know, that's right. Yes, if they just reach out and get all those beautiful stories, they have a different ad every month. (laughs) Yeah. 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 And I I think a better ad, um, this is not a personal story, but I think a better ad that would be especially inspirational for African Americans is one that shows African Americans meeting cousins um, they found in their ancestry DNA database. Um, who are natives of the ancestral homelands they discovered in their DNA. So I think that could be coupled with research tips on how to identify these matches in in their database. And two people um, who come to mind that I think a lot of us in the genealogy community are aware of who have actually traveled overseas to to meet these cousins are Melvin Collier. Um, His story is chronicled um, in his blog, Roots Revealed, and also Willie Wynn, who um, posts videos on his YouTube channel. Mm. So I think that would be yeah. a really good ad for, for yeah. us, especially if, you know, our interest in, in understanding where we come from and the different African countries. And if you connect with a cousin, yeah. being able to meet them, I mean, you could build a, a, a lot around just that one story. So. Absolutely. And there's such richness to these real stories. And um, there's also uh, complexity and, uh, sadness, and you uncover things that make you angry. And I presented, and I've had, I've, I've presented uh, at conferences and things, and had people ask me, "How can you do this and not feel angry?" And the reality is that, um, you know, I get inspiration from the resilience and the agency that my ancestors um, really uh, applied to to their life circumstances, so that I could be here. So there's a lot of ways you can kind of respond to the stories that you're uncovering. You could, uh, you know, it's natural to feel angry about some of these stories. Um, but then if you stay in the anger, 
um, that's not necessarily a good thing. But then I find the inspiration in how, well, be, you know, they were able to live through this. And because of that, we're all here and we all have this wonderful um, family history that we share, mm-hmm. that we value. And so let's just keep it real. And just be inspired by the reality of our shared history. Mm -hmm. There's no need to sugarcoat it, and there's no need to make it up. Mm -hmm. So I want to share a a story that I've uncovered uh, in my family about my third great-grandmother, Sarah. She was born enslaved in 1848 um, to an unknown white father. I've, I've been working for many years to try to figure out who he is, and I don't know. Um, and that white man li- likely, most likely, uh, sexually exploited her enslaved mother, Clara, my fourth great-grandmother. Um, and so Sarah grew up enslaved in Bertie County, North Carolina, which is in northeastern North Carolina. Um, after the end of the Civil War, um, uh, my ancestor Sarah became a school teacher. She moved to Suffolk, Virginia, which is where my mother's family is from. Um, and what I've uncovered is that she was able to pursue teaching because she was probably a house servant, right? So she was a slave in the house. Uh, and through that, somehow she was able to learn how to read and write. Um, and so from this skill that she gained as a house slave, um, she dedicated herself to teaching freed men and freed women after the Civil War how to read and write. Um, and helping them to build their new lives uh, post-slavery, post-Civil War. And I find that inspiring. Mm -hmm. Um, And so fast forward to today. And she also instilled that seed of value of education in our family. So fast forward to today. uh, Sarah's second great-grandmother, our granddaughter, uh, who happens to be my mother, um, you know, my mother graduated the top of her class in a segregated high school in Suffolk, Virginia. She integrated Randolph-Macon Women's College in Lynchburg, Virginia. She became a school teacher just like her second great-grandmother had 100 years prior. And so you learn these stories and you see the seeds of inspiration uh, that have blossomed into what is your life. And you understand where it came from. Mm-hmm. And, and so that is inspirational. And there are so many stories like that that could be the feature of an ad or a documentary or something, really showcasing the value of these services. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. The story. And that's the story a wonderful. That's a wonderful story. Uh, that, uh, get another comment. Beautiful story. But yes, <laughs> if you could see ads like that. Yeah, yeah. I, 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 the, I have a number of stories I could probably share, but but one that 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 actually has a Canada connection is several years ago, back around 2013. Uh, uh, I was contacted uh, uh, by a cousin named. Uh, uh, I didn't know she was a cousin at the time, but I was contacted by a uh, 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 lady named uh, Shannon Freeman. Uh, Freeman. Um, the community I live in is is in southeastern part of North Carolina, I'm halfway between Wilmington and Fayetteville, if you know North Carolina, and 90 minutes from Myrtle, Myrtle Beach. But my community, primarily founded by free persons of color, free African and free you know Native Americans who have been in this location for at least the last 250 years. Um, however, I was contacted by a, a young lady with the same last name. Uh, and she explained to me that my ancestor, uh, Bryant Freeman, and his brother, Jeremiah Freeman, were 
uh, uh, living in Canada in a town called Buxton, Ontario, which is in southern Ontario, about 70 miles east of Detroit, uh, as of the 1850s. Um, my ancestor, Bryant Freeman, has a marriage record that says that uh, um, when he got married in Canada, in Chatham, Ontario, in 1867, that he was from Brunswick County, North Carolina, uh, and that his parents were Isaac Freeman and Effie Jane Chavis. Uh, do you know these people? Uh, and it was one of those things where um, I knew who Isaac was and I knew who Effie was. She gave, she actually gave me Effie's maiden name. I didn't know that. And then I had no idea that we had people that had left North Carolina and migrated to Canada by the – Canada does their censuses on the ones every 10 years on the ones. So by the 1861 Canadian mm-hmm. census, they're in Buxton, Ontario. Wow. Brand new news to me, head explodes. We start talking. We become friends. The other cousin who does research with me, uh, uh, Kevin Graham, at, uh, later on visited this community because they have a community museum. Buxton was founded originally as a uh, basically an underground railroad town. It was it was it was set up by benevolent Canadians for people fleeing the United States, African Americans who were, you know, and people of color fleeing the United States. My these Freeman ancestors got to Canada because. They wanted to get out of the United States because of the fugitive slave law in 1851. They were nervous about what was going, the road that the United States was going on, and they decided we don't want to be here when things hit the fan. So they left. Um, but that was a story that you know completely blew my mind. And then goes on to tell me, which this is a whole other story that you know I'll just give you the highlights. There was a whole scenario with that Freeman family later on in Canada in the 1890s where they were involved in a court case that was famous in Canada, nationwide famous in Canada, when it happened because one of the family members uh, ended up having to defend himself against a member of the Ontario Provincial Police. Uh, there was, was essentially an illegal raid on his house. He defended himself. A, 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 a police officer was killed. A trial was had. And, 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 you know, they hauled the entire household of Freemans into court in Ontario, and was all said and done, several members of the family were sentenced to life in prison, but then it was subsequently, you know, in, in 1893, but then they were subsequently re- released within the next 10 years because of the outcry in Canada, because at the time, lynching was at all-time high records in the United States, and folks in Canada were, you know, were weary of prosecuting uh, 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 black men in the same way, sort of, you know, that... Uh, 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 you know what was going on unjustly in the United States at the time. So these men were eventually uh-huh. able to you know, be freed. But you know that's probably like a couple movies unto itself. But all of that came about through <laughs> you know she got in contact with us through Ancestry. Uh, dot com just simply through the records, and then we were able to confirm that she indeed was family because it turned out she ended up taking the Ancestry DNA test. She matched all of our us cousins in the, in the United States. Her brother took the Y DNA test over on uh, Family Tree DNA. He was a hundred percent match with this, with the Freeman males from our community in North Carolina. So, um, you know, but got an amazing story and, a, and an amazing example of resilience. You know that transferred, you know, from our little rural community in North Carolina, you know, thousand, you know, thousand miles away up in Canada. 
Yeah, uh, and a and true beyond. story. It's a true and a, story. And a true story, an unbelievably yeah. true story, but all yeah. true. true you know, <laughs> uh, records are available upon request. Newspaper articles and all, I can send you all of that. But yes. <laughs> and that would be a wonderful story. And, you know, I hope Ancestry that you're listening to uh, the guests tonight, these genealogists, because they all have true stories that could be turned into wonderful ads that can inspire people of color, African Americans, to take their DNA tests, to really study their family history. I mean, these are really inspiring stories. So before we get close to the end, I just want you all just to share just a little about which records help you uncover your stories. Are you asking particularly on Ancestry or, or records in general? In general, just what anything okay. I, I was saying, yeah. anything that was just a special record that really helped you unlock that story that you shared. So, um, so I'll start. So, my uh, great great grandfather's name was Columbus Lewis. Um, I used to, when I was younger, I would listen to my um, uh, my uncle and my mom and a great uncle talk about him. And the story that got passed down was that he would tell his grandchildren, he would gather them all together and he would um, say to them, who freed the slaves? And they would all yell back, Abraham Lincoln did. And then he would say, no, he didn't. I freed the slaves I, because I fought in the Civil War. And so that, that story stayed with me and it was one of the, it was the impetus for me wanting to get to know who was this man, Columbus Lewis. So when I started doing research in 95, I discovered that I could uh, request his Civil War pension records, and um, that record was a, like a 200-page document, chock full of information. Um, it revealed who his, you know, slave owners were. Um, it allowed me to read transcripts of responses to questions um, in in his own words. So I got a, a sense of like how he spoke. Um, and you know, middle t- he was from Middle Tennessee, and they have a certain cadence. Mm-hmm. And I've gotten I've gotten to understand what that cadence is, and so I can almost hear him, mm-hmm. you know. Um, and then um, I also because he he most you know uh, records where you know our en- enslaved ancestors um, where this you know signature was uh, in the record, you just see an X because they were not taught how to read and write. Um, and I could see over time with this 200-page document that most times there was an X for his signature, but there was this one page towards the end of the document, it was after several years, where he, I guess, had started to learn how to write, and he wow. actually wrote his name. Wow. And oh, it made wonderful. Wow. Oh. It made me cry. <laughs> Um, because mm-hmm. I can tell, I mean, each each letter was a cursive letter. They were all separated, not connected. But mm. it was his effort to say, I'm not going to have you write an X. Mm. I'm going to write up my own name. And so I have that record. Um, another interesting thing I found that's more kind of health-related is um, in reading his uh, medical records in this pension, it talks about how he had vitiligo. And so we actually have fam- family members that have vitiligo, and that's a genetic, um, disease, you know, disease or disorder. Um, and so I thought immediately, oh, my God, I know where this comes from because, you know, we none of us knew where it came from. It's not my family, but it's an extended family, but we all descend from this man. So it was just like, wow. 
you know, I uncovered where this vitiligo starts from, um, started from. And then the, the other story I wanted to share was, um, you know, the wills that exist on Ancestry are amazing. Um, I was able to find um, a will from the uh, one of the slave owners um, from uh, my Anderson family, and they were actually freed in 1712, which is an amazing record to find for, for African Americans. Um, and it listed, you know, all the names of, of, of my, my Anderson family that were, were part of um, this plantation. And then also um, I found my seventh great-grandmother. Her name was uh, Margaret Roberts, and there was a will for her from 1789. It listed all of her children, and it listed that she, each, she gave each of them like two pence or something like that, which is, which is nothing, you know, but at the time, you know, the fact that she made the effort to go and make a will and say, this is what I want the, you know, my children to receive and, you know, who here's the executor, which was my like sixth great grandfather, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, I mean, the, the records that exist are amazing. Um, they're there. You just have to, you know, have the will to, so, to sort of look for them and the stories that come out of you them. You have to like, have the will. Do you do that on purpose? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to roll with uh, my, my uh, tagline here is don't sleep on Freeman's beer records. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, um, I, you know, my, the, the way that I discovered that my third great grandmother, Sarah Biggs uh, taught, at the, was a school teacher uh, in Freedmen schools was through these Freedmen Bureau records. Um, and so the Freedmen's Bureau was established in 1865 after the Civil War ended in the Reconstruction era to help millions of the formerly enslaved to become educated and to build their lives. I mean, Lisa, listening to you talk about the dedication your ancestor had even later in life to learn how to write his own name is amazing. Yep. Uh, and so these freedmen schools were enabling these newly freed people to ed- be educated and, and, to, and to build their lives. And so uh, the free, there's a Freedmen's Bureau project, and they've done incredible work digitizing and transcribing literally thousands of Freedmen's Bureau records to help African Americans, to help Americans discover family stories in these records. So if you if you think that you uh, there may be a story for you to uncover in Freedmen's Bureau records, go to www.discoverfreemen.org, uh, and it's real easy, and you can just start searching. And there's so many stories to uh, to be uncovered there. Yeah, I, I wasn't going there, Andre. I was I was going to go with uh, the fact that my Civil War uh, great great grandfather, I found that in, in ancestry. So that that pension record was not in fold. I mean, mm-hmm. you know. I, I found it in Ancestry. There's a record called um, Alabama, Virginia, and some other state. It might be Texas pension records, and that's where I found it. But I'm going to spend more time, amen, than you about those Freedman Bureau records because, you know, I'm from a, my folks. My mother's from an adjoining county to Luke down in southeastern North Carolina. That's why Luke and I are related. Um, I read the Freedman Bureau records from Family Search. They're there as well. You know, I read them sequentially for that area. I mean, there's thousands. <laughs> and I read them over a period of months. Because at the time, all of them weren't indexed. Um, but I don't regret that because it really gives you a flavor for what's going on mm-hmm. in those counties at that time. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you swoop in, if you, know your great, if you know your ancestor's name and you swoop in with the index and you pick up that record, you get something valuable, yes. Yeah. But if you read sequentially and you see how many 
similar stories there are. And you see his, his story played out over time because a lot of times these were long-running, basically court cases, you know, people suing to get their kids back, mm-hmm. you know, because the children were apprenticed back into slavery. Um, and when you see that so often and you see the different patterns in different counties, it lets you know, you know, which county was frankly more racist, Duplin County, North Carolina, in Sampson County, North Carolina, they had to call in the cavalry, literally. Mm-hmm. You know, they, they, the, the, the North had to say, send more troops because they are jacking folks up down here. Mm-hmm. But that wasn't true for New Hanover County and, and Brunswick County. So um, I, I'm going to amen you. The Freeman's Bureau are in, records are invaluable. And if you got a month or two or three, <laughs> reading them sequentially can, can be beneficial. Yeah. Well, I have to amen you, too, because I love the Freeman records also. <laughs> And, I mean, I found my ancestor on the Friedman record. I went all the way back to my third great-grandmother. So those wow. records are just so valuable for anybody. In fact, you know what, we can take this show and move it into a whole nother direction. Right. But right now we're getting close to the end. And I hope that all of you have had a chance to really understand some of the challenges and opportunities that these DNA companies uh, face when trying to market to the African-American consumer. You know, truly we want to be able to trust the company that we're giving our DNA to. But we want this company to also be sensitive to the needs of the population, to the needs of the target group. And tonight we're talking about the target group is the African-American consumer. And they fail with the Abigail ad. Wouldn't you say that? Yes. Yes. That's that's true. And so (laughs) what you all have done, you all have given them an opportunity and others an opportunity to listen to hear some of the concerns, and hopefully we're going to see something different when it comes to how you're presenting your product uh, in ads so that the consumer will say, okay, this is something that I'm going to try. And I trust this company because they understand exactly what my needs are, and they're not going to make up something and think that the the consumer is going to say, oh, how nice, what a wonderful ad. No, it's not going to go down like that. <laughs> it's not going to go down right. like that at all. So I just want to just say, any of you have closing remarks before we close out tonight's show? I would just like to say also that I think um, Ancestry should not just do as uh, for African Americans during Black History Month. I think it should be spread out over the year. I mean, that's that's where, you know, a lot of, where I found a lot of um, ads that I hadn't even seen or, you know, uh, short videos. They were all sort of in a blog, and it was kind of centered around uh, Black History Month. I, I think they need to, re, you know, take those and sort of repurpose them and use them throughout the year um, because we, we don't just look at, you know, uh, using a service like Ancestry during uh, Black History Month. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Okay. Anybody else? I would okay. just, um, I think, hey, Bernice, I think that you summed it up well in terms of uh, hopefully the uh, Ancestry, uh, Ancestry's kind of um, how they're uh, responding and processing to our discussion, processing our discussion. The reality is we've made our 
we kind of um, laid out the, the criticisms and I think a very fair way. Mm -hmm. um, and, but they also need to hear that we are loyal. We've been loyal customers. Right. For a long time. And, so, and, and, and so think of it from that perspective. What, what can you do to better continue to better serve your customers? So I hope, I hope if they hear it, they interpret it this way. And so I really, you know, with that said, challenge uh, Ancestry um, to start sharing more stories like the one we shared on this podcast. Hashtag true. true. Um, and then I just want to, um, I don't want anybody who's listening to this podcast who is contemplating or maybe interested in genealogy to be discouraged. Uh, I would encourage you to start researching your family history, start uncovering those inspirational stories and start sharing them with people and, and share and document them uh, for your, you know, for your family, the good, the bad and ugly. Just document all of it because that is your history, uh, and you will be uh, recording a family history that will give future generations the choice and option to be able to tap into that history. If we don't do it, we are uh, eliminating the future generation's choice to, to know their history if they truly want to know it. Right. We don't want anybody to stand it off. But we're not special. We just work hard and talk a lot. <laughs> yes, but Go leaving that your, legacy yeah. is important. It's important. Yes. Go find your story. And so yeah. don't, you know, just don't ignore your family history. And just as Andre is blogging and others are writing books and podcasting, I mean, find the avenue that works for you. But leave oh, Bernice, something for your family. Oh, congratulations on your book. Yeah, congratulations. Oh, congratulations oh on thank your book. you. Thank you very much. Thank you. It's well, I want to just thank all of you. What you say? No, I was going to say um, it came up in an email um, from Amazon for me today of recommendations. Nice. Uh -huh. I said, oh, I oh. Bernice, you're in the Amazon recommendation engine. Start counting that money. All right, I will, I will. Well, I just want to say, hey, good evening, everyone. This has been a lot of fun. Thank you so much, Andre Kearns, Lisa Fanning, Tyrone Goodwin, and Luke Alexander for sharing your recommendations with us tonight. And everybody, listen, remember, your ancestors left footprints. Therefore, you should follow the clues. I think Lisa even brought up oral history and things that are presented to you and their family records and there's ancestry and family surgeon, national archives. You have all kinds of opportunities to get as much as you can about your family and then to share those stories. Now, you can continue this discussion on the Research at the National Archives and Beyond Facebook page, and also remember to listen to the African Roots Podcast with Angela Walton Raji. And also remember you can also listen to the Black Progen Live with host Nika Soul Smith. Thank you so much for listening to Ancestors Footprints, and I look forward to all of you joining me next week. This is your host, Bernice Alexander Bennett. Good night, everyone. Good night, Andre, Lisa, Tyrone, and Luke. Good night. Good night, Bernice. Good night. Good night.